Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. And we will be in chapter number two as we look at the Magna Carta of the Christian faith. Maybe if you could sum up the Bible in, in one verse, it would, it would be right here in, in uh, verse number four. Just a few words there. The just shall uh, live by faith. And that's, that's what our uh, New Testament is about. And that's what the Old Testament is all about. So let's go back to where we were at last time. In the first chapter, you remember Habakkuk had cried out to the Lord because the nation of Israel had gotten to be so wicked. And uh, so he cries out to the Lord and he says, Lord, how long are you going to allow this wickedness to continue on in our land? And, and uh, Habakkuk gets an answer from the Lord. The Lord says, Habakkuk, I'm about to do a work in your day that you wouldn't believe if I wasn't the one who told you. I'm about to send the Chaldeans down and they're going to destroy the nation of Israel, almost destroy it, and then they're going to take the remnant captive. And so things are really, really looking bleak and I'm going to take care of all this evil that you're complaining about because it bothers me too. And, and the cup of wrath is full and so... Uh, I'm about to destroy Israel. Well, Habakkuk didn't like that answer. And so he uh, went back to the Lord and he questioned the Lord and he said, Lord, how can you use an evil nation to judge our not so evil nation? All of a sudden, Israel wasn't so evil in his mind. They weren't near as evil as the Chaldeans. They weren't near as brutal as the Chaldeans. And so he questions the, the righteousness of God and he says, you know, it just doesn't seem right that you would use a wicked people to judge our nation. I mean, I think in his mind, and I said this last week, when he was praying for the Lord to, to help Israel, he was praying for revival. And you hear him later on talk about revive your, revive, Lord, during this time, please revive your work and, and, and his work being Israel. And so I think in the back of his mind, that's what he was asking God to do. But God said, no, I've had enough of it. They've had their chances. We've had the revivals. We've had the, you know, the, the church services. We've had the religious activities, and they've become more and more wicked in my mind, and I'm about to judge them. Well, Habakkuk didn't like that answer, and so he goes back to the Lord. And as we begin in chapter 2, verse number 1, and listen to what he says. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what the Lord will do, will say, will say to me, and what I will answer him. And I love this last part, when I am corrected. What the Lord's going to say to me when I'm corrected. Now, that's a great verse. If you're having problems getting your prayers answered, go to Habakkuk chapter 2 and follow the pattern that Habakkuk used in order to get an answer from the Lord. And it works every single time. I promise you, it worked for Habakkuk, it worked for me, and I bet it worked for you when you've tried it. And look at what he does. There's, there's, there's four things that he does. First of all, uh, his prayer is persistent. I mean, uh, he, look at what he says. He says, I'm going to stand my watch, and I'm going to set myself before the Lord, 
and I'm not going anywhere until I get an answer from God. You know, the Bible over and over again uh, instructs us, if we want to get our prayers answered, we have to be persistent. Remember what Jeremiah said in chapter 29. He said, he, really it was the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is really pleased with serious, persistent prayer. He's very pleased with that. Because when we put other things aside and we go to him in prayer, that shows that we really do recognize God as our father, that we really do recognize him as the source of, of the blessings that we want in life. And so, so uh, Habakkuk uh, did what Jesus said we're to do. You're to keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking, and it will be open for you. In other words, you'll get an answer to your prayers. So when you go to the Lord in prayer, first of all, you got to say, I'm going to I'm going to, I'm, I'm not just going to blow this little request off. Uh, I'm not going to give it one time and be done with it. I'm going to seek the Lord until I get an answer. Have you ever done that? It works. The Lord will always give you an answer. If you, if you hunker down and say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, seek the Lord and I'm not going to quit seeking the Lord until I get an answer. The second thing that Habakkuk did that we all need to do if we want our prayers answered, look at, what, look at the next part of the verse. He set himself on a rampart. What's a rampart? A rampart is a high tower or a high wall. It's an isolated wall or an isolated tower. And so what Habakkuk did, he, he isolated himself from the rest of the world. No TV for Habakkuk. He says, I'm not going to watch TV, you know, until I get an answer from God. Actually, he, they didn't have TV there. For some of you that don't know that, but, but uh, uh, he said, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to read the newspaper. Uh, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to stay on this tower. I'm not going to see my wife and my children. I'm going to stay on this tower. I'm going to isolate myself before the Lord, and I'm not going anywhere until I get an answer from the Lord. You know, if, that's the best way to get your prayers answered. I mean, it's great to have corporate prayer on Wednesday night, but if you really want your prayers answered, if you're really serious about praying for somebody else, if you're really about serious about praying for one of your own needs, you've got to isolate yourself. You've got to get, put everything aside and get along with the Lord. We know that. And you know that when you've had success in your prayer life, that's, that's where you were when it came. You had isolated yourself, and you were seeking the Lord persistently. Here's the thing where a lot of us fail, though, where Habakkuk didn't fail. Habakkuk, the third thing that you have to do if you want to get your prayers answered, you have to expect an answer from God. You've got to believe that God will answer your prayers. You're not going to be persistent. You're not going to isolate yourself and stay in prayer for any length of time if you don't believe God's going to answer your prayers. But if you really believe he's going to answer your prayers, then you expect an answer from him. You're going to go to the Lord and you're going to pray to the Lord until you get that answer. Look at what he says. I will watch and see what he will say to me. In other words, Habakkuk said, I know the Lord's going to speak to me. I'm going to wait and see what the Lord says to me. You know, I don't know about you, but the Lord has always, always answered my prayer when I believed that he was going to answer that prayer. And I isolated myself and I was persistent in that prayer. 
I haven't always liked his answer. And I don't think Habakkuk's going to like his answer necessarily. I think he will this time. He didn't like the one before, but I think maybe he will like the answer to this prayer that he's praying now. But uh, uh, God always comes through. He always comes through with an answer. We'll follow that pattern. And then the fourth thing, if you want to get your prayers answered, and the reason Habakkuk got his prayer answered was that he made up his mind that he would be obedient to the Lord Whatever the Lord told him to do, even if he didn't like that answer to his prayers. Now, sometimes I'll go to the Lord and I'll be persistent. I'll isolate myself and I'll believe I'm going to get an answer. And I get an answer. I don't like the answer. So I, I, I stay and try to change the Lord's mind. Well, I'm wasting my time. You're not going to change the Lord's mind. When the Lord gives you an answer, you got to, you got to believe that that's the correct answer. And, and uh, whether you like it or not, you've got to be the obedient to whatever he says here, I love what Habakkuk says. He says, he says, I will watch to see what the Lord says to me and what I will answer when, when I am corrected. He expected the Lord to correct his prayer request. He expected the Lord to, to uh, do something different from what he wanted him to do because the Lord's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, you know, Whenever we go to the Lord in prayer, we've got to be open to the, to the fact that God will more than likely correct us in our prayers. He more than likely will give us an answer, not necessarily that we don't like, but an answer that we don't expect. And we've got to be willing to be obedient to the Lord and obey whatever he tells us to do. And, and if we're not willing to obey what the Lord tells us to do, you're wasting your time going to the Lord in prayer. If you're not willing to receive what he's going to give you, then don't expect an answer from the Lord. So you want your prayers answered? Uh, here's the sure way to get them answered. Be persistent. Isolate yourself. Expect an answer from the Lord and be obedient to whatever answer he gives you. You go into the prayer room like that, you're going to get an answer to your prayer. I promise you every single time you go to the Lord in prayer. Sometimes it takes a while might not happen in five minutes. It will not happen in five minutes most of the time, unless you're in an emergency on the highway or something, the Lord help me, you know, then you might get it then. But if you're asking the Lord to help you with a major decision in your life, you've got to press in on the Lord. You've got to, and it's going to take time. He wants, he wants us to take time with him. And those needs that we have with the Lord bring us to the Lord. And, and we fellowship with the Lord when we're in prayer. Even though we're praying for our needs, we're fellowshipping with the Lord. And that's what the Lord's looking for. And so, so it's going to probably take some time. But you will always get an answer. And Habakkuk got his answer. Look at verse number two. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, when, one of the things I guess you could add to your list when, when Habakkuk went to ask the Lord, uh, when, uh, he, to pray to the Lord, he went with paper and pencil in hand. I, I, I don't know if he had paper and pencil, but whatever they wrote on, he had it with him because he was going to write down whatever the Lord told him, whatever answer the Lord gave him uh, to his prayer. And I think that's a great idea when you when you go to the Lord in prayer and you really seek the Lord diligently and persistently and sincerely, when you do that, 
go with pencil and pad. And when you get that answer, you might probably won't get it in the prayer room. You might get it in a sermon on Sunday or you might get it from somebody who gives you a word of wisdom on the street. You don't know where you might get that word, but you'll know it. You might get it, listen to a sermon on the radio, but you'll know it. And you need to write that answer down. I know a lot of people who keep prayer diaries. Uh, every time they go to the Lord on a serious matter in prayer, they, they begin to write down when they win and what they ask for. And, and if it's in the will of God, they, they, and you're going to get an answer. You might get an answer no, but if it's in the will of God, they get an answer yes at some point, and they write down when that prayer was answered. I used to do that. You know, I quit doing it. Let me tell you the reason I quit doing it, because, because I have finally learned that God is always going to give me an answer. I mean, that diary used to, the diary I used to keep would encourage me. I remember when God answered the prayer here, you want to pray here? Well, he's answered so many times now, over 27 years, that, that, that hey, I go to the Lord expecting an answer to my prayers. And, but when you're new in the faith or, or if you're struggling in the faith or struggling in your prayer life, hey, give God a chance and write it down and, and when he gives you an answer. Keep a diary and it'll encourage you when, when you when you need to pray that you know that the Lord's going to give you an answer and you won't give up and you'll be persistent. But the Lord had another purpose in instructing Habakkuk to write down this vision uh, because what he was about to tell him was maybe some of the most critical information in the entire Bible. The Israelites were about to go into captivity and they were going to need the instruction that Habakkuk was going to be able to give them that God gave to Habakkuk. God wanted him to pass that information on. There's sometimes when we go to the Lord in prayer that God gives us something that he wants us to pass on to others. He gives us some word of encouragement that he wants us to pass on to the whole church, that he wants us to pass on to certain friends. And so, so sometimes we need to write that down so we can articulate that when we pass that information on. Well, he was about to give out some of the most important information ever given. God was about to give it to him and God wanted him to write it down because the nation was about to be almost destroyed and the remnant was going to be sent into captivity and they were going to go into some very, very difficult times and they were going to need these words that God was about to speak to Habakkuk. And, and so he gives him this vision. He says, I want you to write this vision on the tablets. And the vision that he gave him was that Israel's going to be destroyed they're going to go into captivity, but that was not going to be the end of Israel. That was not going to be the end of the remnant. They, God still had a future and a hope for all of his people. He had a remnant in Israel in the day when they went into captivity. Remember Jeremiah said, I have pl good plans for you, not evil plans, to give you a future and a hope. That's really what Habakkuk was going to give these people too, because it wasn't long after this when they went into captivity. And so God wanted him to write this down so when they went into captivity, they wouldn't despair, but they would be able to run. He says, so, look what he says there. He says, so, so he may run who reads it, so he may continue on in life and not despair, so he could still serve me and worship me and, and, and be successful in life and prosper in life. God wasn't done with, with the remnant. He was done with these wicked people who were never going to change. He was about to destroy them. But he was going to discipline the remnant and he was going to, uh, going to uh, give them a future and a hope. And, and what a hope he gives them. 
Not only did he give them a hope for the Babylonian captivity, he gave them a hope that one day they would come back out of captivity and the nation would be restored. And then one day God would send them the Messiah to die for their sins. And then one day the Messiah would return and he would rule and reign on earth. And, and God gives these prophets all of this information to pass on to these people so that they have a future and a hope. Now, look at what he says in verse number three. He says, for the vision is not yet for an appointed time, but the end of it will speak. It'll speak for itself. The fact that it will come true will prove that the vision is true and that it is not a lie. It will not lie. If God gives you a vision, you know how you know that's a vision from the Lord? Because it comes true. One day it comes true. Maybe not exactly the way you saw it or predicted it would come true, but it will come true because God, when he got the callings and elections of God are for sure. He doesn't give you a vision and then retract that vision. If he's given you a vision for your life, then it will come true and it will not lie. And the reason you, you know it will not lie is because it has come true. But it's going to tarry. Listen to what he says. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry indefinitely. It will not tarry forever. In other words... Israel still had a future. It had a hope, even though they're about to go into captivity. And they had a vision and they had a hope. But it was going to be a while before they realized that vision and that hope. And that vision was going to tarry. But one day they would realize that uh, the vision was true because it would speak for itself. Because it would, it would come true. Now, just stop and think about all of the biblical characters who went through that very process. They were given a vision. The vision tarried, but the vision came true at some point, and, it, and therefore the vision was proven to be true. Remember Abraham. He was told when he was 75 years old that he would have a son, and that from that son would come a nation, the nation of Israel. And from that nation would come the seed, the Messiah, who would bless all the nations of the world. Well, Abraham had to wait 25 years before the first part of that vision was fulfilled. When Isaac was finally born, when he was 100 years old, an impossible, it was an impossible vision. Most visions that God gives you are impossible. Whatever he, I mean, he works in the supernatural. He does things that, that we wouldn't expect him to do in ways we wouldn't expect him to do them. And, and for him to raise up the nation of Israel from a, a hundred year old man and a 90 year old woman is pretty amazing to me. That's certainly not the way I would do it. That's not the way you would expect someone to do it, but that's the way God did it. And, and they waited 25 years for that vision to be fulfilled and it was fulfilled. But, but then the part of the vision where, where Israel was to become a nation that took us a, a, a a few hundred more years. Abraham was long gone when that happened. And then the vision about the Messiah, that took 2,000 years to be fulfilled. That's why Jesus said Abraham rejoiced, was wanted to see my day, and when he saw it, he was glad and he rejoiced because that was part of his vision. That was a vision that God had given him, that the Messiah one day would come through his, his loins. Then there was David. You remember David. David was told when he was 17 years old that 
uh, he would become king of Israel. He was anointed the new king of Israel. And, and then he went out, it wasn't long after that, and he killed the giant Goliath and everything was looking like, man, this is going to happen tomorrow. But it tarried, didn't it? It tarried for 13 long years before David actually became king. But the vision was true and it didn't lie because David did become king. But David was given another vision. David was given a vision that through his loins would come a kingdom and a king whose kingdom would be everlasting. Has that vision been fulfilled? It hasn't even been fulfilled yet. He, that vision still tarries. But let me tell you something. Just as sure as David became king, one day Jesus will become king on this earth. And, and, and that vision was not a lie. It will speak for itself. Joseph, poor old Joseph, man, he had a vision. And it really got, caused him a lot of trouble because he told his brothers about his vision that one day they would bow down to him. And uh, so they sent him into slavery and he ended up being a slave and then a prisoner. And for 13 years, it was 13 years from the time he had that dream before that vision was fulfilled. That's the pattern. We got to wait on the Lord. The visions tarry. Whatever God has promised you in your life is not going to happen the next day. Uh, I remember, I remember getting called into the ministry and thinking, boy, in a few weeks, Billy Graham's going to be calling me and, or Joel Osteen. I mean, he's paying $105 million for his assistant pastor. So, so uh, I'm waiting on Joel's call here any moment, but uh, it didn't happen that way. I ended up driving a diaper truck for three years and then going to seminary and, and uh, for three years and then going into a doctor program for a couple of years before I was finally called to pastor a church. So the vision Terry, but what God promised, but happened, it happened in his time. And, and, uh, it always does that way. So hang in there with God. If God's promised you some vision, Hey, without a vision, the people perish. So if you don't have some kind of vision for life, man, seek that vision, ask God for your vision, get bef- follow Habakkuk's uh, formula there in prayer and say, Lord, I want a vision for my life. I want a purpose for my life. It, you know, a lot of times it's, it doesn't, the, those purposes don't look so big to us, but they're big to God. We follow in the will of God. That's a big thing. To be faithful to God is a really big thing. And then listen to what is God gives him his answer. And this is what he wanted him to write down. And this is what he wanted to encourage the people with because they were about to go through some tough times. And this is what God would encourage you with before you went into some, go into some tough times. He says, behold the proud. In other words, Habakkuk, what I want you to do is observe the proud. You're not the proud, but observe the sinner, observe the wicked. Observe the proud. His soul is not upright in him. And then he gives that line. But the just shall live by faith. You know, the proud man knows nothing about faith. He knows nothing about waiting on God and expecting something from God and tarrying uh, uh, God. He knows nothing of waiting on God as God tarries to, to make something happen in his life. He, he does things his own way, in his own time. He does things... Uh, uh, that please him, not necessarily what uh, pleases God. And he has no real vision. 
You know, if you talk to the average guy on the street and you ask them what their vision is, most of them would say, I don't have one. But even, a, even somebody who does have a vision, that vision is a very, if they're not saved, it's a very self-centered vision that they've created themselves and it hasn't been given to them by the Lord. And so really they're not on the pathway to having a vision fulfilled. They're on the pathway to destruction. And, and, and the Lord says, behold the proud, watch the proud. Uh, uh, he's, he thinks he's captain of his own soul. He does things his way. You're not to do things that way. His soul is not upright in him. It's not righteous in him. But the just, the just shall live by faith. You know, in Habakkuk's day, the wicked were living as if there was no tomorrow. If, if everything was going to go on, just like it went on today and it was going to go on like that every day for the rest of their life. And God's saying, behold the way they live because they're proud. They don't think they need me. They don't think bad things are going to happen to them. But when Habakkuk was writing this down, the day of reckoning was very close on the horizon. The Israel, Israelites were about to be destroyed and all of these wicked people uh, whose souls were not upright, were all going to be destroyed by, by the Babylonians of all people, a people more wicked than they were. And so Habakkuk says, Lord, you know, even though our people are wicked, surely you're not going to use the Babylonians to destroy them. And Habakkuk says, hey, you're not like the wicked. Don't approach me as the wicked do. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Who are the just? When he talks about the just, are you talking about those who are just because of their own good works? No. The just are those who are in a relationship with God through faith. Before uh, Jesus died on the cross, the relationship through God came through faith in what Jesus was going to do through the sacrificial system. And so... Habakkuk was one of those who had put his faith in God and was living in a relationship with God every bit as much as you and I do. I don't know that he was sealed with the spirit of God like we are. I, the only case where I see someone who was sealed with the spirit of God from, his, from the time that he had a relationship with God until he died was David. Because, it, because the, in the Bible we're told that the, the spirit of God came upon David and it did not depart from him. He's the only one that I... See, like that. I imagine Moses was filled with the Spirit of God until he died. Maybe Aaron and Caleb and some of those people, Joshua, maybe Habakkuk. But in any case, Habakkuk had been made righteous, not by his own good works. I mean, obviously, the guy's, the guy's kind of feisty. He's kind of, you know, he gets in an argument with God and doesn't like what God says, and he lets God know it. I like that. You know, I think God likes that because I think it's being real with God. He likes for you to be real with him. But he tells him, he says, Habakkuk, you got to trust me on this. You got to trust me that what I'm going to do with the Babylonians, how I'm going to use them to discipline Israel, you got to trust me that I'm doing the right thing. Even though it looks like a terrible thing. I mean, if a preacher got up in the pulpit and said, the Lord told me that next week the Russians and the Chinese are going to evade America and they're going to destroy the wicked in this land and the remnant are going to go off captive. Boy, nobody would want to hear that. What kind of preacher are you? You know, I mean, I mean that no God, no, a good God would not do that. 
Oh, yeah, he would. He did. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. He's going to have to come through my gluck to get me. <laughs> and Roy's gluck. Roy's got a gluck, too. But uh, uh, we're to trust the Lord. He said, Habakkuk, trust me. No matter how bad things seem, and in your mind they seem unfair, I'm working a good thing in Israel. I'm doing a good thing in Israel. I'm ridding the land of these wicked, evil people, and I'm going to take care of the remnant when they're in captivity, and they will be just fine. So the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith in the vision that I give you, the Lord says, and the hope that I give you. We have all sorts of hope. We have all sorts of vision in the Lord. I mean, uh, Israel still has a great hope. Look at them back in that land. Who would have thunk it? You know, I mean, all these years and, and now they're back in the land and God's about to do a great work in that land and all of Israel is going to be saved at some point. And Jesus is going to rule and reign in that land. What a great vision. What a great hope for the nation of Israel. What a great hope for the church, for all of us, for people like Habakkuk. But in the meantime, some really bad things are going to happen. And when those bad things happen, we're going to be affected by those things because we're living in this fallen world. Until God raptures us out of here, things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And so how do we live? The just shall live by faith. You've got to trust the Lord that the vision is going to tarry. But good things are coming soon. They're coming real soon. Paul quotes this passage over in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. He says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. He quotes this passage from Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. He does it on a couple of occasions. But he, notice what he says. He says, Paul says in Romans 1, 17, he says, For in it, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. How do we get righteous in God? By faith. How do we stay righteous in God? By faith. How are we glorified and sanctified? By faith. All of it is by faith. The just are to live from faith to faith. You know, our faith began when we began to walk with the Lord and, and we became born again believers, but our faith continues every day. Every day we have to live not by sight, but by faith. We have to believe that everything that's happening to us is working for our good. Man, if we could just really get this principle down that we're to live by faith and that, 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 God's going to bring us all to a point where that's what we do. I mean, a lot of, I think, the trials and tribulations that we go through are to make us people of faith, to make us people who trust him, to, no matter how bad the circumstances. That's, that's difficult. It's really difficult to hang on to your faith when, when, uh, when things get really, really bad. We haven't seen the kind of bad things that... that uh, Habakkuk was speaking of and the Lord was speaking to Habakkuk about in, in the day of Habakkuk. We haven't seen 
women and women eating their own children because of, they were being starved in a siege in the siege of Jerusalem. We haven't seen uh, people taken away with fish hooks in their noses. We haven't seen the kind of things that these people were about to see. But we do live have difficult lives as as believers, even in the United States of America. And so, this principle applies: the just shall live by faith. I mean, here was Habakkuk. He saw this wicked, wicked nation, his own people. And he says, God, you got to do something about this. God says, I am. I'm going to judge these people. And I'm going to use the Chaldeans to judge them. And Habakkuk says, hey, that isn't fair. He used a wicked people like that to judge a lesser wicked people. And I want an answer to my question, God, so I'm going to set my face like flint in front of you until you give me an answer. And what was the answer that the Lord gave him? The just shall live by faith. No matter how harsh it seems, what, I, what I'm about to do, no matter how long it takes before the vision is fulfilled, you're to trust in me. The just shall live by faith. And Habakkuk wrote that on his tablet. And he wrote it down in these pages for the Israelites and for me and you as a banner verse to carry with us wherever we go or whatever we do in the Christian walk. Because we've got to learn to live by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the faith that we have. We thank you that faith is a gift of God and not of works, Lord, that you've given us that faith. And Lord, that, that uh, no matter how bad things get, uh, when we're faithless, faithless, Lord, you're faithful and Lord, you'll keep our faith going. Lord, help us to be people of strong faith. People who, who see good in, in the worst of circumstances, who see uh, the vision that you've given us for a great future and a great hope, no matter how bad things get in the immediate uh, part of our lives. Lord, just help us to, to be the kind of people of faith that you want us to be because that's where our witness is, Lord. When we're, well, you know that. You've, you've taught us that. When we're strong in our faith, Lord, we're, 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 we're much, much better witnesses. The world needs to see that, that our faith is real. And it's through these trials and difficulties, Lord, uh, that, that people see that. Well, Lord, we just thank you for the cross. We thank you for the future we have in Christ. Uh, we are so grateful for all you're doing for us and have done for us. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.